This podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And you guys are in for a real treat today because mom is a little bit cranky. <laughs> yeah, we have already had a do-over. We're we're kind of rusty, Anna, given that this yeah. is... Hold on. Let's, let's tell them what the deal breaker was last time. I accidentally <laughs> took a sip of my tea. And that was a fatal flaw. That was my mistake. I <laughs> I do admit that I'm running a little thin. I feel like, you know, in that scene in Star Wars where the trash compactor is compacting oh on Solo uh-huh. and everybody, that's what mm-hmm. I feel like my life has been like these past few months. So That's a great analogy. I'm a little tired. I'm a, a little, little wired. wired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, hear you, but anyway... We are here. Again. Anyway. This is episode four of season five, right? Can you believe we've been doing this for five years? I mean, with the amount of podcast episodes we've been cranking out per year, actually, yeah, I can. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's... But it's been a long time. It does not feel like hey, it's been that long. I thought it was all supposed to come together after season four. What happened? <laughs> it is. Look at us. We're, st- we're, we're awake and we're not crying. That's my definition of it all coming together. We're not crying yet. That's true. And we, you know... <laughs> Remember that one day that was so pressury and stressful? I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I, whenever that happens, sometimes I just want to see if you're doing okay. And Oh, same, always. We never talked about it afterward. We just read poetry to each other. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. We went through all of our favorite poems. We were both doing not so great and we needed... But let me tell you, let me tell you something though, Linda. Yeah. Um, when... <laughs> I appreciate that we're always there to comfort each other and that we have a kind of relationship where we can just bring each other up by reading poetry to each other for hours. However, that night, nothing was really helping. We had to resort to poetry, which actually is in alignment with science because that got us over into our right brain. She blinded me with science. (laughs) Sorry, go on. I introduced you to that song while we were doing minis, which we also have not done in a long time. We, we haven't. I've been looking at my minis thing. It's just sitting there half done. It's true. We need to fix that. I don't know what to tell you. Well, partly it's law school and partly it's that you have a new best friend. So we have to, <laughs> we might want to talk about it's that. True. 
I have made a wonderful new new friend. It, well, but I wouldn't say that that's why I haven't been doing the podcast. Here's mm-hmm. the thing, and I want this to be on the record. Mom mm-hmm. always says, when can you do the podcast? In a very accusatory tone. Mm-hmm. And I say, let's do it this Tuesday. And she goes, I can't that day. Mm-hmm. And then I say, okay, well, then how about Friday? And you say, I can't that day either. Can you do Sunday? And I'll say no. And then so goes the parade. <laughs> What we need is we need someone to to purchase we the need podcast personal and, assistance and be our boss. Yes, we need a boss. That's probably. true. But what are some what is some news in your in your world, Anna? Anything since we last chatted? No, not much. Other we have a Tahiti trip planned. Us four. Yes, because Hawaii, which is the official halfway point between here and Australia like skyrocketed into outer space in terms of expensiveness. It's true. And it was already not cheap. <laughs> Honestly, I would have never thought Tahiti would be less expensive than than anything, but it is. It is. And it's also drastically more secluded, which is what I'm looking forward to. Because when you go to Hawaii, even if you go to Maui, which is where we always stay, there is so much natural beauty, but then there's also so much unnatural, whatever the opposite of beauty is. <laughs> Out of tourists that are there, unnatural yeah. ugliness. Well, I didn't want to go. Out. <laughs> I didn't want to go quite that strong, but yeah, there's like a lot of there's a lot of sunburn, a lot of a lot of a lot of sweaty. I didn't think it was very crowded in Hawaii. I thought it was great. I thought it was perfect. Well, it is. That's true. It is perfect. I'm trying to resolve cognitive dissonance by saying we don't really want to go there anyway, even though that's gotcha. not true. I, I will always go back to Maui any day. And then also, I'm going to Japan in September. Oh, and yeah, that'll be. What fun. are you? What are you going to see in Japan? I've never wanted to go to Japan, but when did you decide you wanted to go to Japan, and why? And why? Well, my uh, brother always wanted to go to Japan. And oh, that's right. I think I seem to recall that. What, what was he interested in Japan for? I mean, Japan is gorgeous. Was it the music? Certainly. I remember he used to like that music in that one video game. Was that why? I think he has always wanted to go to Japan because it's very technologically advanced. They have very interesting architecture. They have a very long uh, anthropological history. So what are you looking forward to seeing there? Well, we're going to Mount Fuji and Mount I'm Fuji? going... Isn't that a volcano? Yeah. I don't know if it's a volcano. That's a great question, Mom. I don't know if it's a volcano or not. But if it is a volcano, it certainly hasn't erupted. I think it's just a mountain thing. (laughs) So how long will you be in Japan? Like 10 days. Wow. That's going to be so fun. Keep in mind, we get five weeks of vacation in this country. Uh, (laughs) Like bare minimum. Are you staying all in one? Enough about Japan. Anyway, so you'll be in Japan. (laughs) And then after that... (laughs) I'm bored. My ADHD just hit its max. I'm bored. Let's move on. (laughs) I'm bored. I'm done with that now. (laughs) Tonight, we want to spend a little bit of time. We we wanted to just get back on and let our listeners know we're still here. We're still... We're awake and we're not crying. And we're learning and growing. I myself have been learning a lot about self-protection systems and how mm. just the importance of being able to be vulnerable with yourself and with your spouse. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Vulnerability is crucial there. I think a lot of self-protection takes the form of trying to control perception, which is kind of an interesting thing hmm. too, because why do you try to control perception in a spouse, right? Like that, Ooh, that is not- That's a good question. That's not what you'd want to be doing right? Because in a healthy, intimate attachment, it's being fully known and fully loved. Mm. And so if you're controlling perception or trying to prevent being judged or being criticized or whatever, that's a way of managing perception. Huh. I've never thought of it that way before. You know, that's where 
naked and unashamed comes from this idea of being able to be fully yourself without feeling ashamed. That's such a good point. Do you think that applies to friendships as well? I mean, obviously it's different with a spouse, but... I don't think you should be naked with your friends, but I do think that (laughs) you should. Okay. Thank you for that wisdom. You should be increasing in vulnerability as safety is increased. Yeah. So many things can threaten your safety, even just not communicating vulnerably regularly. Or like when you when somebody tries to sort of read your mind instead of just yeah, ask you or pursue you for yeah. what's actually going on. Okay, well why when are you why are you reading my mind? Is it because you're afraid to actually find out instead of just saying, let's unpack that together and it's a big mess and that's just what relationships are. That is you know? so true. Such a good point. You just you gotta build resilience for the mess. You got to build resilience for the mess. That's what I say. You know, this is something that my friend and I, my new friend and I have actually been talking about. We've been talking about the importance of not jumping to conclusions and like answering preemptively what we're expecting the other person to say, Mm -hmm. because we're obviously we're both lawyers in training. So we both feel like we have, we both have the lawyer brain of feeling like we know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So it's better to get in front of it, you know? Right. Well, and but with relationships, you can't do that. You've got to just allow the person the time and space to have their own autonomy. I think that's a great point. Because they're not your client. Yeah. Some professions actually make you strong in the very skill that can drain attachment from your actual life. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And when you go into law school, what they say is the goal is not, which is so interesting coming from a therapy background, because obviously my undergraduate degrees were both in sociology and psychology. Therapy mm-hmm. was what I was in training for. And they obviously always talk about the importance of empathy, the importance of staying with your client Mm -hmm. as they struggle. Mm -hmm. When you go into law, they say the goal here is not to empathize. Mm. The goal here is to take the problem and solve it Mm. because you're going to be seeing so many terrible things. Like the only thing you can do is try to get justice. None of it is ever going to go back and fix what's Mm -hmm. happened already. Mm -hmm. Don't take it on emotionally, Mm -hmm. only take it on like factually. Like obviously you can, you can connect with your client, of course, Mm -hmm. but you never want to be like taking on all of that hardship and heartbreak, you know, which is so interesting. Right. We were going to talk a little bit about um, something we haven't covered before, which is dissociation. Some people accidentally say disassociation, which oh, is a it word. Me nuts. It is it a word. It drives me nuts. Same as the car needs washed. <laughs> disassociation is a word, though. It's it's just the wrong word. Dissociation. To disassociate with mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. is to break or with something, is to break a relationship. So like I'm disassociating with my university or I'm disassociating with my job. Which? I'm no longer associating with them. Not the same thing. Which actually makes a lot of sense because dissociation is a breaking with yourself, uh, your surroundings, your situation. It is a dissociation is involuntary, whereas disassociation. Always? I don't know if that's true. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's an involuntary process. Well, uh, no, it definitely your... it's an involuntary process. But I think that sometimes you can purposefully trigger it. I'll have to think about that for a little bit, Anna. But in any event, dissociation has uh, multiple characteristics to it. And sometimes people don't realize the dissociation itself is so mm, neg- negative, so bad intense, for you. So overwhelming, so inundating. Detrimental. Detrimental. Good one. Sometimes the dissociation can be so detrimental. So dissociation sometimes can take the form of simply not realizing how much time has passed. You just sort of 
get caught up in your head and you're looking out a window and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, like three hours have passed. Where did the time go? That would be like a classic sign yep. of dissociation. But it could... Can you hear the... I cannot believe this man. He's 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 decided to run... What is he running? He's running the... Isn't it nighttime? He's running the weed whacker, like right in the garage. I'm going to go out there. Well, keep in mind that he also just saved three people from a burning building the other day. So it's kind of give and take with Nate Winters. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's snatching people from the fire in his paid job and in his volunteer job. <laughs> Dissociation can become so severe that you actually are doing things that you don't remember doing. It takes the form of just like amnesia. You don't, you're not remembering things you, or you, you can actually just not remember aspects of your trauma. That would be one element of it, but it can actually be like, I'm having ongoing dissociative amnesia. You can sometimes feel outside your body when you dissociate. This is just an amazing part of our nervous system. It's possible to dissociate and actually mm. be able to see yourself, either to be behind yourself or to the side of yourself. You can have a dissociative experience where parts of your body are numb or tingly. You can have dissociative pain. You think it's just regular pain, but it's actually trying to protect you from stress or from things like that. And you can also just have dissociation that takes the form of tunnel vision or feeling like things aren't real. Yeah. Or you can have dissociation that like a familiar thing suddenly feels unfamiliar. It's very unhealthy for your total system. So if you have dissociation, you definitely want to go in and, and get that checked out and see what other, what other symptoms are happening and how to stay within your window of tolerance so that you don't dissociate. Because going out of your window of tolerance with the anxiety, the, the fight and the flight, and then you've got your going outside your window of tolerance with the dissociative side, which is the, or, the freeze, the yeah. fawn, and the faint. Fawn being more like a people-pleasing. It's, it's people-pleasing on steroids. You're staying safe by keeping people happy as opposed to just regular people-pleasing where you're like networking or trying to get ahead. With traumatized people, you're actually keeping yourself safe by keeping other people happy. So Fawning, for those of you who aren't familiar, is a lot of times what happens to women when they are being approached by a man that they don't feel safe with you know how women are a lot of times nice and and polite to men that they're clearly terrified mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. and instead of saying get away from me they'll say hmm. no thanks i don't want to get in your car but Haha, thank you mm -hmm. uh yeah you know like when they're being cat called and, and things like that that's fawning mm -hmm. that's just trying to keep them happy so that they don't get angry at you and do something way worse <laughs> Mm -hmm. which is why we so, should never judge women for how they respond in those situations. I actually think we should just never judge. How about well, that? I actually would disagree. I think judgments are a good thing. <laughs> I think you can use your judgment and be wise, but there's never an excuse for being judgmental. This is the thing. You need mm -hmm. to make judgments in your life. Being critical is the mm -hmm. thing that we don't want to do. Being critical of other people. I, that's what I think. Well, critical for sure, but judgmental is when you label someone and determine what they are with a label. You're usually being judgmental when you're making one person all one thing. Yeah. Or, you know, instead of like recognizing the complexity of humanity, you're saying like, this is a that person well, more, and this is a that person. That's generalizing a person or categorizing a person. Judgmentally. You need to, you need to make judgment calls about people in order to be safe you and can successful. Use, yes, you can use your wisdom. And you should use your wisdom based on your boundaries and your values, <laughs> but you do—you right. don't have to be judgmental and make and I make concede. decisions. 
And do you agree? And please sign here on the dotted line that you do. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I don't. I know. You're part of the generation. I No, I don't think it has to do with my generation. I think that it has to do with the fact that I have an analytical brain. And I really believe, I really believe that making judgments about a person is like quintessentially necessary. I think if you can kind of diagnose what you think is going on with a person. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. make a judgment. Oh, that person's a terrible person. No, you can say, okay, that person clearly has some stuff going on. And so I shouldn't press this issue, that issue or behave in this way, because then that's going to backlash against me. Exactly. But that's called using your wise judgment. Okay. As opposed to being judge judgmental usually has so with you're it just some saying ask- we shouldn't label people. hate judgmental. <laughs> judgment hang Let with me. Let me out though. of the car. <laughs> hang in there. Judgmental usually has some element of assigning worthlessness to someone. Using your judgment is like ah, well, that person doesn't seem safe. I think I'll stand over here. Okay. I think that we need a different word then than judgment for that. Yeah, I would agree. Being wise is the more appropriate word. I will say that me personally, I struggle with that. Well, and let me bring this back to trauma because not here's the not, deal. With, not with your rational, rationalization of it. I agree with what you've just said. Nice creaky door. Here, well, hold on, hold on. Your dad just walked in. Did you think running the blower right outside where I'm recording? Did was that a? Sounds like you're being judgmental. What do you think about that? <laughs> I am being judgmental. <laughs> How dare you? Did you want to say anything to the podcast? Just yes. Just hello, and that I'm thankful that you love my wife and my daughter. Yeah. As much as I do. All right. We talked about you running in and saving people from a burning building on your volunteer gig. You did. We did. Was that scary? No. Do you ever worry about getting PTSD from any of the? <sighs> bless you. From any of the things that you are facing as a chaplain to the police, do you ever? Those are not the things that traumatize you, are they? What traumatizes you are arguments with me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Hold on. Don't you tune that tiny violin. Do not tune that tiny violin. Let me tell you guys, my new friend actually bought me from Amazon, a package of 12 miniature violins, like actual miniature violins. I know. I tell that you what. friend of yours, I got to tell you. that's He is a gem. And His name is Cal. I, Shout out to I Cal. I can't wait to meet he's him. He's the best. Shout out. Go Cal. Did you talk about Sam on our last podcast? Because she's my other best friend in law school and I want her to also be recognized. We need to have Sam on the podcast because she... Too. Can we have both of them? Yeah, that'd be fun. For a friend's podcast. Who should I have on my end? What friends should I bring? <laughs> I don't have any friends. I don't no, have yes, you do. I have a lot of friends, but I haven't. I haven't been investing in my friendships. It's a really bad sign. I've. I need to. I need to invest in my friendships. I did meet with a friend for coffee today. It was a friend from my Tapawingo days. It was a wonderful, wonderful. Oh, wingo, 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 love is my lingo, lingo. lingo. Camp Tepawingo is the all-girls summer camp that I used that Anna was raised on in an island in the middle of the Adirondacks. I used to be the camp director. Anyway, this person I met with 
came into town and wanted to get together. And when I first met her, she was 12 because she was a camper. And then she worked her way up. How old was I when you first met me? Mm, you were. <laughs> Sorry, we hadn't talked about me in a few seconds. And I wanted to bring it back to the important topics. You were knee high to a grasshopper before I met you. <laughs> so, but listen to this. I love listen that to phrase. This. Yeah, go ahead. I realized in this conversation something very important. There is something about friends that love you. Oh, so true. And she told me a story about myself that brought me to tears about myself. Oh my gosh, what was the story? You gotta share it. It was such a beautiful story that she told me. It was so meaningful because sometimes when you look back on your past, you think, oh my gosh, how I was so young and immature. Like, how did I even know how to do that? Yeah, well, relatable. what happened? She said, did you remember the story when the counselors decided it would be a good idea to jump off of the roof of the pontoon boat? <laughs> And dump into the water. And she said, I still remember I was at the chapel meeting where you brought all the counselors together and you were like, guys, you know, this is absolutely unacceptable. And you were, you were really upset and you had to like lay down the law and be very firm with everybody meeting dismissed. And then she worked in the kitchen that summer. And she said later, right after that meeting, you met with Heather in the dining hall and you were crying with Heather because oh. you were so sad. I know. That makes I was me like, cry. And I know. I was so touched that she would remember that and that she that that meant something to her that I I didn't want to be that firm, but it was that important. Oh, I know. was it so Heather? Sweet. Was Heather the friend? No, no. This Heather was my co-director or my assistant director so that how year. How did the friend she, uh, know that you were crying with Heather? Because she worked in the kitchen that year. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, she worked wow. in, Yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. Can I say, I love that I still remember all, all those counselors from those years. I those know. Those were such wonderful, I, wonderful women. I know. If we have any... Tap counselors on this, listening to this yes. podcast. Can I just say, you guys, salt of the earth. Go tap. Light of the world. You guys yes. are incredible. Just rock stars. So yeah. that was so meaningful to me that someone remembers a story. Like, I didn't even remember that story. I remember, definitely remember them getting caught jumping off the top of that pontoon boat. <laughs> Yeah, but the fact that they saw your true self and that they, that's how they remembered I you know was just it. so special. It's so important to have friends that love you and know you. That's the bottom line I there. I completely agree. To be fully known and fully loved. These two friends, I completely agree, that I have made in law school, 100% true. are those friends. I, sure. I love them. And I've met Sam. She is nothing but lovableness. Sam? Let she, me, let me, let me, hold on. Let me give you guys a quick recap before we talk about why we love them. Let me give you a quick recap on each of them. So, okay. So Sam, <laughs> Sam is five, talk about knee high to a grasshopper. She's about five foot nothing. And she's got a very, very young face. And so even though she's also in the Juris Doctorate program, she was on her way to university in her post-grad study the other day. And a school bus tried to stop and pick her up because they saw her walking on the road with a backpack and thought she was Damn. a stray elementary school child. Which I, I love that. That's classic. She's hysterical. Sam had me at coffee creamers for snacks. That's where Sam Sam had me at she that point. Her favorite snack when she and I study in the library. She will ask the person on duty if they have any of those single serve like creamers that come in those little plastic cups, the right. ones that you peel back. She right. loves those things. It's bizarre. Kindred spirit. Yeah, I'll walk in and seriously, I walked in one of the first times we studied together, and she goes, "Do you have any milks?" And I said, "What?" And she said, "Milks, you know those little, <laughs> those little Creamer. milks." 
I'm hungry and I'd like some of those milks. But she, but the other thing that makes that so lovable is that how she always says, I know I can bring snacks, but I don't want to have snacks. And so then when I get there and don't have snacks, <laughs> I need to find the snacks. And that's exactly like me. It I'm is. always like, I'm not yeah. going to bring that. I don't want to eat that. And then I'm going through my colleague's drawers, taking whatever yeah. I find. And I love it. She love is it. just a diamond in the rough. She's not a diamond in the rough. I hate that phrase. She's a diamond. She's just a diamond. But why is diamond in the rough bad? Because it's used as a way to say, like, you got to scrape off some mud to, before you find the diamond. I, she's just a diamond. No, diamond she's in the diamond. rough means you found an absolute sparkling jewel of a person amidst the the rough of everyone else that's so Google, hard. Google right. it. All right, I will. What does diamond in the rough mean? Diamond in the rough meaning. She's just a diamond. Oh, a person who is generally of good character but lacks manners, education, or style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Glad we could make sure you listen, get your idioms. Listen, straight. Sam, listen, Sam, uh -huh. I love you to bits, but that actually does describe you pretty no she has all of the things she's just her raw self she's a diamond it's true she is a diamond i always thought diamond in the rough was finding a diamond of a person amidst everybody else well i'm glad i could square your way on that one thank you but listen the thing about judging also I'm, I'm listening to this podcast about these women who went through these painful things and the nurses were being like, oh, come on, it's not that painful. And they talked about how hard it is to be judged by other women when it comes to pain. And I thought, oh, Anna would have something to say about that. I do have something to say about that. I'll All bet. this crap about childbirth being the worst pain imaginable. That's true. But the vast majority of women who have child who have a child once will mm -hmm. willingly have a second child, which proves the fact that the pain actually isn't the work because I would seriously lose both of my legs before going through the pain that I went through after my surgery. What happened was these women were in a ton of pain and nobody could figure out why, but the nurses kept saying, you know, try to be stronger and, you know, this is as good as it gets or whatever. And it turned out that one of the nurses was taking the fentanyl for themselves and replacing it with saline solution. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. It, mm. Good stuff. I hope she got fired. It's never good to judge. Mm. So that activated some stuff for me. Uh, nurses. Right. It made me think about you, but then I know that for you, it could, that couldn't have been it because you, you, this happened to you in multiple settings and there's no way someone was stealing the fentanyl in every single setting you went to. Do you think? No. Yeah. But the yeah. other thing is that it wasn't just fentanyl. It happened in three or four different, three different hospitals. Right. It was all with, opiates, right? With, yeah, morphine, fentanyl, codeine. Vicodin. Um, yeah, just about, yeah, Vicodin. I was giving a quick summary of both of my both of my friends because we were talking about something interesting about them and now we've gone so off track. I gave you the I gave you the summary of Sam who tried to get, who almost got picked up by a school bus who was concerned. <laughs> That's a great story. I know. My other friend, he and I started to get to know each other. I started to realize, I think maybe he and I could be good friends. So I pitched a, a hypothetical situation to him to see how he would respond. I said, listen, if you were driving along the highway and there was like this stray, clearly abandoned kitten on the side of the road, what would you do? And in my brain, I was thinking either you pull over and save the kitten or you keep driving, let the kitten fend for itself. He said straight out of the gate, he goes, 
if it was safe for me to swerve, obviously I would prefer not to hit the kitten, <laughs> which immediately. Yeah, that's a totally different mindset. Like he's thinking it's either him or the kitten, which makes right, me laugh right, so hard. Right. Obviously, yeah. the whole concept is that the kitten needs help. Right. It's not you or the kitten. It's you and the right. kitten. Anyway, right. and then he says, but if it wasn't safe for me to swerve, yeah, I would floor it, hit the kitten. And then out loud in my car, I would say, sorry, puss, you're in the big leagues now. (laughs) And then he came back to me like an hour later. I was horrified at that and also thought it was hilarious because it takes a special kind of brain to misinterpret a scenario like that. He came back later and he said, you know, I've been thinking about why I called the kitten in in my answer to the hypothetical situation, why I called it puss. And the reason I did is because Mm -hmm. my grandparents had a cat by the name of puss who bit me when I was a kid. So it's hysterical, Mm. not only that his response drew in like childhood trauma of his grandparents' cat, but also that he had enough introspection to be able to realize that that's what happened. Yes. And then thirdly, that he would come back and own up to that, to this person he barely knew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are two diamonds who know how to be vulnerable. Precious gems, absolutely true. Right out out the gate. And so now he Mm -hmm. and I call each other puss. That's our nickname for him. That's right. Which is hilarious That's because right. nobody else gets it. And also calling somebody puss in a professional setting. <laughs> in a professional setting. It's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, we have to wrap this up. We've gone far afield from dissociation. But here's the deal. Trauma heals. Trauma is a psychological wound. And it can heal. So don't delay getting in and getting help because... You want to feel better. You want to have a better relationship with yourself and with your world and with your future. Dissociation can make that really, really rough. I guess that's all I'll say about that. That's excellent. And I want to say one last thing, which is that I just finished a intensive course on a commercial dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. One of the topics in the weeks that we did was how the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. are activated and pacified throughout a negotiation mm. uh, phase, mm. so throughout dispute resolution, mm-hmm. and how receiving an offer from another party, so say you're like suing, I don't know, a department store because they gave you a faulty product, mm-hmm. and receiving an offer of settlement from the department store in a negotiation meeting activates your sympathetic nervous system. And it's about how the mediator can help control those ebbs and flows of the psychological responses Mm. that it's so interesting how psychology and law cross over. But my point is that trauma can occur or your fight and your fight, flight, fawn, freeze, faint (laughs) responses can be activated, not just by near death situations, which is important. Oh, for sure. Your sympathetic nervous system can be activated by something as simple as sitting at a table with somebody and that person like disrespecting you essentially, or belittling you with an offer that seems too low yeah, or attacking you. That's how you. we started yeah. talking about self-protection. Your threat response system can get activated. PTSD is when your threat response is in the on position. It should be able to go on and off. Exactly. And it shouldn't go on quite as intensely for an awkward conversation as it does when there's a lion in the room. So you want to, even if it goes on and off, if you have too big of a threat response for small stressors, you may want to work on getting some healing to your vagus nerve. We got to renegotiate our relationship with low level, mid level and high level fear because we use our words, our boundaries and our resources to stay safe when you're an adult. Excellent. Okay. That's it for today. Anything else to add, Anna? No, just stay, just keep it going, you know, stay strong. And we'll see you in another six months. (laughs) 
And use your connections. Put yourself into situations where you can meet and connect with people who fully love you and fully know you and aren't judgmental. No judgment. True. You want vulnerable people and you want to be able to have safety, psychological safety, emotional safety, physical safety. Just like my two friends. These connections that we have with people are so, so important. So we'll have a friend podcast coming up. I'll have to find some of my friends. And Anna already has two of hers. And that's all for today. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.